It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let me say it one more time. So you completely understand, McMahon. Welcome, everyone, to the One Year in Wrestling Podcast. If you actually think that I was just the right game guy. This podcast is scheduled for one fall and at a time limit of 45 minutes. If you actually think, if you actually think, well, then you're a bigger delusional bastard than I thought you were. You're here. I'm here. Let's do this! Put my mic on! Live, pal. Welcome to the current events edition of uh, One Year in Wrestling. I am one half of the co-hosts of One Year in Wrestling, Methodical Matt Gardner. I will not be joined by cryogenically frozen Chris this episode either, as he uh, he's out spending Labor Day weekend out at the lake at his uh, father's... Uh, uh, cabin or whatever it is, lake lot, where there is no cell service, so we couldn't even Skype in, uh, unfortunately. This is so outlaw. So he will not be joining me uh, this episode, but I'm going to do a quick sort of current events thing as well as a quick uh, overview slash preview slash chitter chatter, if you will, of the uh, AEW upcoming pay-per-view, uh, which will be on Saturday night, tomorrow night. Uh, I believe it's all out. Uh, it's kind of cool to look back and, uh, you know, I guess it's two years ago. I want to make sure I get my facts straight. I often start just jabbering on about stuff and without actually looking it up. Um, I want to say, was it 2018 was the whole Meltzer bet? The first ever, like the all in. Does that sound like the right timeline? Let me look it up quick. I should have had this ready, but uh, all in. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, making for riveting uh, listening here while I'm... Uh, Looking this up. A very, very tiny turnip-eating man. AEW, maybe? Okay. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. So, no, it's just going to all out. Uh, All in. Well, I guess we're in AEW, but how would I look this up? Damn it. All in 2018. I'm just going to put, let's see what it says. Yeah, there we go. So, this is the one, yes, yeah, September 1st, 2018. Man, it's crazy to think. So it's 2018, that's only like a couple of years to think that uh, how far AEW, like well, obviously at that point they weren't even a thing. That was kind of like the genesis of everything, uh, right? And then January of 2019, they made the announcement and then it's like Double or Nothing is the first ever pay-per-view 2019. Uh, so much to kind of talk about here. Um, sorry about the, uh, the the taking forever to look that up. I just wanted to make sure I got my facts right here because it's like it doesn't seem, to me it seems like, Longer, but not. I, it, I guess it does feel like two years if you kind of look back on it. But it seems uh, crazy to think, you know what I mean? That I, I just, that that one event spawned all of you know what what a lot of what we're going to be talking about here. I'm going to go into some WWE because we are talking current events and all that. But uh, it's going to be an AEW centric show. Um, so all out. Obviously, some of these these matches are taking shape now. I think it's going to be a really good event. Obviously, they, I think they have the um, the 10, per, 10 or 15% uh, 
uh, capacity for the audiences come back um, in a, you know in the safe way that it's an outdoor arena daily's place that they're doing it at in Jacksonville everybody's uh, wearing masks and obviously very distant from each other there's kind of little pods of fans it looks like like six to eight maybe ten in like sections kind of throughout I don't know the capacity of daily's place off the top of my head but uh, you know it's still, I think obviously 700 fans if that's you know 10 percent uh, is it, wow, so I guess, is it 7,000? Is this something I should look up again? So this is why we need cryogenically frozen Chris. He can, while I talk, he can look it up. Daily's Place uh, Amphitheater, yeah, capacity, there we go. So we are looking at, yeah, 5,500, okay, so not bad, not bad. It's such a cool venue, though. I, I really like how AEW's, we've talked about it on the show before, how AEW has been doing this. This, uh, you know, basically running everything. I think they've just trumped, maybe not the right term, uh, done a lot better than uh, WWE as far in, in these COVID times. And so it's cool to have the audience back. I remember Jericho went on record as saying that it's like one of his, uh, he's coming up on his 30 year, uh, you know, anniversary, I guess, in the wrestling business. It's October 3rd, I want to say. So, and he said that was one of his most sort of triumphant memories. And you can kind of see him, I, I would assume, kind of break character. But at this point, Jericho can kind of do whatever and, and it, make it part of his character. When he came out last week um, on to do some commentary on AEW Dynamite. And that was the first time they had the audience back. And they were singing Judas and all that. And he kind of had a big smile on his face. So, it still works as like the smarmy bad guy, you know. Uh, smiling at the audience, singing along with his song, but I think it was pretty genuine. Like he was, it's pretty cool to have, like you know, you know, the night the the fans came back, kind of thing, right? So that's that's pretty neat. And I mean, Jericho coming up on thirty years. Um, I guess this is about as good a time as any to talk about the uh, the PWI five hundred. Just kind of interesting the way everybody thinks about this. Where I initially saw that that Moxley, it's first off, it's really cool that I mean, there's always like the Japanese contingent that gets in there, which I totally respect and get. Um, I, I started watching a lot more New Japan uh, just over the last probably four or five years, I think with the, you know, with, um, you know, the, uh, the, um, the adding of, of, of Jericho. And I'm just gonna be honest, like, I, it's hardcore wrestling fans be like, well, why weren't you watching the whole time? Um, honestly, yeah, it was it took like the Jericho or the Omega, like hearing about Omega, some of the guys that are, I guess, Canadian or American that were over there to kind of draw me in. Um, just, I, you know, whatever it is, what it is. And when Jim Ross started doing commentary and all that, it's just kind of what I'm familiar with. So it took that to lure me into that. But, and, you know, when Cody and, you know, just the, the Young Bucks and all the kind of Ring of Honor guys started going over there too. So, um, you know, it's, uh, but I loved, I basically fell in love with, I could totally see the draw of um it's not it, i mean it is a different world over in new japan and i i just love um wrestle kingdom now i think i've watched it three or four years in a row i want to say four now um and it's just like it's such a cool event like the tokyo dome i love the ring setup like they, they have the wider ring aprons so they kind of can do i know it's it's a little bit overused nowadays everybody kind of brawls on the ring apron now and does the do these crazy like you know package pile drivers or you, the uh, the poison ranas on the the ring apron and you know all this crazy crap, but um, I I like that you can you could kind of have like a duel you you don't have to have like the walk like an Egyptian crab walk kind of thing because there's only like the half a foot in American rings, they it has like a good two feet it seems I don't know exactly what the dimensions are but you can stand facing face on facing on your opponent out on the ring apron in New Japan rings which is super cool. So and anyway, so I, I say that to say this, I, I can totally understand. Like I love Naito and I love uh, 
you know, Okada is just amazing. He's pretty much, in my opinion, he's kind of like the uh, the rock of, of Japan. Just has that, like, look and the charisma and kind of the younger, he, you know, he's, he almost, like, felt like he's he reached its peak at such a young age. Uh, it's almost feels like he could he could move on from wrestling and, and do something big. He, he has that, that sort of rock vibe to him. I don't know how you guys think about it, but that's kind of my always been my impression. And then the Tanahashi is kind of the, uh, you know, the aging veteran that still, you know, everybody has a soft spot for whether he's kind of like the, uh, you know, the Shawn Michaels, at, you know, like the, the post return Shawn Michaels, you know, the, t- the uh, 2000s Shawn Michaels mixed with you know some John Cena kind of like the white meat baby face to a degree but he's just such a good worker always looks like he's hurt and because he probably is you know he's been he's been working a very physical style for years kind of has like the um you know the Eddie Guerrero qualities where he can just make anybody look good and I say that obviously with the frog splash comparison and all that so he's just just a genius in the ring in my opinion so I, I get like a lot of the uh, the new Japan guys um you know being in the top 10 but and I like, but I loved seeing the AEW, AEW, uh, you know, guys in there too. It was just, it's awesome to see. Now the top WWE, WWF. I keep saying because of the nature of our show, we talk WWF all the time. But WWE guy was Adam Cole at two, and so number one was John Moxley. So initially, when I saw John Moxley, just personal preference, I like John Moxley. He seems like a cool guy in real life, and. You know, I really like the story, uh, how he kind of he's very, very unique story and very unique wrestler. I mean, you know, you can see certain derivatives of, you know, a Terry Funk or a, uh, you know, the little bit of like Roddy Piper and and, you know, the crazy guy, sort of a Mick Foley. Like there's, you know, elements of a, a few different people, but ultimately and then I guess he gets kind of um, <laughs> uh, labeled, especially by uh, Jim Cornette as like, uh, you know, cosplay Stone Cold and. And that sort of thing. So, which I, yeah, I don't think it's, it's um, as as with anything with Cornette, he's a little bit uh, like overblown with his uh, his cr- criticisms. I think, but um, still very entertaining. But in any event, so when I was looking at, at at Moxley at number one, I was like, ah, I don't know. The thing is about with the PWI 500 is that it's it comes out in the end of August, so it's almost like the end of you know, SummerSlam season or, you know, like by just the end of the summer is kind of when it comes out. So then you're, you're measuring it from like September to September. If you're looking at it, add it like that, like that kind of a calendar year, like the, you know, the school year is like the beginning of the next, you know, rating of a PWI 500 kind of instead of a calendar year. So that's sort of, um, cause when you look at it, I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I guess if, if you look at everything that he did in that last year, I mean, it was kind of like he started showing up in New Japan over last summer, right? And he had the big tell-all interview and it was pretty, you know, controversial and uh, pretty candid about, but I mean, that was, you know, that would have still been, if they started judging it in 20, like the PWI uh, 500 in, um, you know, September of uh, 2019, uh, he would have already been kind of uh, settled into uh, AEW and and kind of almost removing himself from uh, from New Japan. But the fact that he was kind of doing doing both for a while, super cool. Um, kind of reinventing himself. He started started showing up in like the fight trunks, and then now he's kind of back to like the uh, the you know the street clothes almost. Not quite the Dean Ambrose like jeans and wife beater, but he's kind of got the camo you know camo pants that he wears and. Yeah, and you know he did he did some pretty cool rivalries like the one with Jericho was awesome, and you know he won the belt and it was very cool visual with everybody with the, uh, you know with the it was like the last sort of big audience, um, you know on the February February twenty ninth, uh, 
uh, was that Revolution? I want to say was um, yeah. So when he won that, uh, when Moxley won the belt at that event, and he's been kind of doing all the uh, the you know like the COVID times wrestling now, and obviously very prominent. Had some matches with, like Jake Hager and and um, now going in with uh, MJF. So, but I, I don't know, like just for whatever reason, he's not necessarily. I do like what was you know referred to as like garbage wrestling. Like I do like hardcore matches and all that kind of stuff. But there's still there's something about about him that's just like his actual matches they don't i don't know don't quite do it for me they're always good and solid and i can say i'm a big fan and everything but he's never like i don't know he's kind of like kevin owens for me where it's just like it isn't quite all there or it's just like there's something like a little too wink wink nudge nudge about him or something like that so i don't know initially i was like man he wouldn't even be my top 10 but then so chris and i were actually talking about it and he's like what are you talking like he basically kind of coached me off the ledge he's like yeah of course he deserves to be up at least in the top three or five because yeah but he kind of reminded me going back to 2019 and everything too it isn't just like 2020 thus far right so it's so yeah i mean for sure and the impact that he made by showing up in in yeah i guess early well spring of 2019 uh that was crazy i mean obviously that didn't make the cut but still i mean kind of riding that wave and the buzz that he created over the summer leading into what would have been the beginnings of the judgment for this year's uh, PWI 500. So I kind of, um, yeah, I was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I, I, and then I was like, man, Adam Cole, for sure. But then you got to, you got to think too. Adam Cole had that crazy last November where he did like, I think four straight nights of wrestling. There was survivor series against Pete Dunn. Uh, I think he had SmackDown against Daniel Bryan where he got a clean victory. Well, somewhat clean. I think there was a de- degree of distraction for Daniel Bryan, but, but you know, still huge victory and crazy good match. And then the Pete Dunn match was, was, excellent kind of like his first you know singles match on a prominent wwe pay-per-view beyond like a takeover the fact that he had the nxt title for well over a year uh and just was delivering some crazy you know 20 25 minute or more main events you know takeover after takeover defending it uh on and just the whole like uh, undisputed era kind of faction um, pretty hard to say that he wouldn't be, you know, I was like, well, he's, you know, he, hard to say he's not number one, but at the end of the day, and Chris and I were talking about it too, it's like, uh, you know, he's not main roster. So I guess it's kind of like, I don't know, do you, it's, there still is as much as they've tried to make NXT the third brand, uh, there still is a degree of stigma on there as far as, uh, being a developmental brand. So, but I mean, you know, where do you draw the line, I guess? So you know, and then because you, you could also say, you know, the same thing about like you shouldn't have any like Ring of Honor people or there wouldn't be any impact because impact isn't a major player or like this. So where do you kind of draw the line with like uh, some people would say AEW is almost like, you know, a mixture of like what if NXT was mixing, either, you know, it's people that are like should almost be in developmental. I mean, you know what I mean? But they're getting you know, TV time right away. Like guys that were just off the indies that could have benefited from NXT before they went to main as they call the main roster, Raw or SmackDown. And yet, um, you know, that's not really the case in AEW. So, I mean, having said that, you just, it's, it's, it, this is so subjective too. It's kind of based on personal bias or preference as well. Um, I would still have Adam Cole top. And initially I was like, he's number one. But then we were kind of talking about it. It's like, well, not quite. If he would have been number one, if he had been, 
you know, maybe main roster or if NXT had been a little bit more successful into their uh, attempt at third brand because I think they kind of ran out of steam after the uh, the NXT invasion, essentially, of Last Survivor Series where they just got this huge, you know, uh, push, I guess, for <laughs> wrestling term, right? Uh, whereas um, I kind of lost a lot of momentum. This is one of those things that the WWF, w, sorry, WWE does, to uh, whatever, to, to short-term, short-sighted thing, but with no real follow-up, and that's kind of how I felt it was. So, that, I mean, that kind of takes away a little bit from Adam Cole. But um, for me, honestly, I would have switched Jericho as number three. I would still have had Jericho in one just just because, and I know it's, it is based on entering work, but I, as, as well, uh, many other things, but like, and everybody's like, oh, well, Jericho's a little bit over the hill. He does have some sloppy... Uh, parts in his matches by the way did anybody notice well obviously i guess jim ross noticed too but it was pretty funny this this uh this past like a couple days ago this last aew show uh justin roberts mentioned that jericho was weighing in at 335 pounds i was like man he's put on a few few pounds but like if they're announcing him at 335 that's just gargantuan but then i think uh you know jim ross had what, what kind of did the it perked him up right and then i think um excalibur who's back on commentary mentioned he's like well it doesn't look a, a pound over 235. And then they kind of agreed it was probably a mistake, but it was quite funny. Um, but I would still have Jericho in, in number one because he's still, like, he had the title for, you know, that majority of the end of 2019 and then the beginning of, of 2020. He has he has a faction as well. Uh, he really put the uh, AEW on the map. He was this must-see TV. I mean, I loved the stadium showdown. He's kind of... Um, you know, to, to some pe- folks' critiques, getting a little more goofy, slapsticky. Um, I haven't been as huge a fan of the Orange Cassidy rivalry. I, I really appreciate how he's going about it, though. Like, I think it basically his his uh, last promo uh, right before his match with Joey Janela w- just was brilliant. Like, it was just perfectly, it made me want to see. Um, I like how he used the stats. He's like, after 14 weeks of of battling with Orange Cassidy. I've made him a main eventer and all that. And basically just recited facts, you know, and it's just, and it really kind of capped off the storyline and gave it some, you know, uh, give it the overview that it needed. And I was like, that's really cool. And I, I am a fan of Orange Cassidy and I like seeing the, the, the different layers to him. It was kind of cool to see him against Pac or Pac, uh, you know, a few months back. Uh, I want to say that was February 29th as well. And that was that was cool because then you finally get to see him wrestle, and he's still trying to do his like lazy, yeah, you know, conservative, uh, conserving, not conservative, but like energy conservative uh, wrestling, uh, you know, and kind of using some humor, but still like doing this flips and hurricanes and keeping his hands in his pockets and all that. So, but obviously you can't do that forever either. So we kind of like got to see, um, you know, the full on what you know, Orange Cassidy is capable of. So, uh, you know, got a lot of respect for Jericho for being able to put a bunch of people sort of on the map and help out guys. And you, you got to know that he's doing a lot behind the scenes. You got to you gotta think that he's doing a lot behind the scenes to help out that company and and all the people that he's kind of coming into contact with. So uh, I got to have Jericho one. And I really liked Adam Cole at two. Really hard not to say that he's not number not number one. or But um, two is pretty damn high praise. And, uh, and then I would, honestly, I kind of came full circle with Moxley. I'm like, you know what? He had a pretty, like, I guess, revolutionary, um, you know, 
year, like a career year or like a career year and a half where he's just had this renaissance. So it's, it's pretty hard to deny the fact that he would be in the, the top five. And then I, so I ended up putting him at a three. So basically, you know, after much debate between Chris and I, not even debate, just some texting back and forth, um, kind of, yeah, just sort of, just sort of settled on that. But uh, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody else, I mean, it's sort of incidental. You're always looking at basically, you know, the gold, uh, silver, and bronze kind of thing. And um, obviously, I would have rated a few other folks higher. Like Daniel Bryan was quite low this year. I would have, I would have put him higher. I know he's been a little bit more part timey, but he's he's had some just phenomenal matches on the. Uh, you know, in in the COVID times, and uh, and you know, even uh, leading out of uh, 20, 2019 as well was very prominently featured. And he's just, guy, yeah, I, I I just the fact that he's still wrestling and everything shouldn't be lost on on everybody. Um, I think he was he, sort of underrated in this case. I would have had him much higher. Um, Rollins, I forget exactly where he settled, but he was number one last year, and he had quite a uh, quite a drop. Um, which is, you know, I, I got, th- I think he ended up at 13. I would have had him a little bit higher than that, but overall everybody else is kind of is what it is. Right. I mean, I, at the end of the day, it's subjective, but I wanted to kind of go over the top three there. Um, love the Roman Reigns heel turn. Just going to pivot into WWF quickly. WWE, damn it. Just cause the, uh, the one year in wrestling thing, we're talking 1996 right now. So it's so hard to not say WWF. So I apologize. Um, but yeah, the Roman Reigns, I guess it's the official heel turn or, you know, everybody's like, well, we don't know for sure. Like, maybe it's not a heel turn. I think it's pretty, pretty freaking apparent. Um, I love all the sort of the joking about his teeth, like calling him Teeth Lee and like, uh, what else was there? What was the Goldberg? There was like Bill. Oh, yeah. Grill Goldberg, maybe. Yeah, something like that. All the different teeth jokes because he did. I noticed they were white, but everybody's saying they're like giant too i haven't seen like i didn't notice that they're like just giant horse teeth but like they're pretty big i mean they're very white more than anything uh the first time when he came out it was like what the fuck and then uh you know and then you kind of get get used to it for a bit but now everybody's bringing it up so i mean geez it's uh but yeah putting him with Heyman and i think the whole like lesnar uh it's perfect because like with the whole lesnar like contract controversy which is like genius like man lesnar is less like is so the man like he's just he's able to he's he's done what no other wrestler ever in the history has been able to do uh just as far as like the you know navigating sort of a part-time schedule always coming off as like a big time big money performer uh always getting a reaction whether he aggravates you know hardcore wrestling fans that don't like his part-time business or um, he always gives me, um, 
I don't know how to describe it. Kind of like the, you know, the realism aspect, right? Where you don't know what you're going to see, but it's going to be, you know, you know, it's going to be violent and, you know, um, there's going to be some realism to it. Like the, the, his matches end often quickly. It kind of has like the, these are the ultimate, uh, you know, UFC meets WWE where like his matches end very decisively, sometimes very quickly. Uh, there can be hard way blood, like as in like not planned or seemingly not planned, planned hard way, I suppose. Um, and it can be, I don't know. I guess I like how he kind of handpicks his opponents from what I hear. Like he's, uh, uh, he usually has like foils, like the, you know, the, the smaller guys over the years, the Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles matches were just amazing. Finn Balor, even at SummerSlam was really good. Um, kind of followed the same formulas to a degree, but they were like, obviously each guy, each performer brings something different, a different move set. So I think the Daniel Bryan, uh, survivor series match where he, right after Bryan turned heel and won the belt, cause it was supposed to be the uh, rematch with AJ Styles. Um, so that would have been, uh, November, 2018 was amazing i watched it the other night again and it still kind of gave me that like that reaction where i was like man something it just had like a, a real feel to it and i was concerned for daniel bryan daniel bryan kind of has like the Shawn michaels thing where uh you legit are kind of worried for his well-being because of like past injuries that like something can happen and like legitimately end his career so he's always kind of had that like i pay a little more attention during Daniel Bryan matches, uh, because because of that, and obviously I'm a huge huge fan. He's he's uh, he uh, over the years I think has has entered uh, you know the upper stratosphere as far as like my favorites of all time. Like he's 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 uh, he's put himself up there for me. So I mean, yeah, it's uh, you know the uh, but the whole back back to Lesnar. I guess it's just like I I just can't see him showing up. It's kind of funny to fantasize about that. And I think again that's sort of the genius of of Brock Lesnar, is that he can again he he puts him for for a guy that doesn't show up very often. His name is often getting brought up with like okay well what if he went to New Japan again? Who would he face? And you know kind of talking about who would he go if he went to AEW? There's some built-in rivalries there. There's the Jericho and the Moxley. Uh, you know, with his past tensions with those guys. Like, there's so much to potential Lesnar feuds and fantasy bookings. And what if he showed up in Impact just for, like, a couple months and did some rec shop there or was just kind of like a mercenary that kind of ran through a few different, um, you know, um, a few different uh, federations and, you know, and just kind of did that sort of thing, and like, which he could very well do. But I think at the end of the day, he's, he's been treated so well uh, by WWE and uh, I think it's just like he's not he's such a big time performer. I think he might just kind of sit it out for until like some of the audience comes back is kind of my prediction. And then, you know, as soon as it's sort of worth it for him to come back, worth it for both parties like WWE to, you know, not pay him so handsomely just to, uh, you know, show up. And there's like there isn't the crowd reaction. Let's face it. Right. So um, I'm kind of thinking we have definitely haven't seen the last of him. I don't see him showing up in any of the other federations as fun as it is to fantasize about. Uh, and don't get me wrong. It's super cool to kind of think about like those, but uh, I, just, I think he's just so firmly entrenched in, in WWE at this point, but uh, definitely worth the, and just, yeah, the controversy and everything that can, he can kind of create by not even saying anything. He's not even going on there and saying anything. It's just like other people are, are doing all the, the legwork for him. He's got so much equity and, um, you know, I guess character, um, you know, build up, I guess, equity as well. Like that he's, you know, 
he doesn't, he barely has to do anything and, and he can still stay in people's minds and mouths. And, and here we are talking about him again today. So I guess the, that's the Lesnar thing. I really like the Cody angle with the, uh, the dark order. I still, I'm, I'm trying to like the dark order. I know it is a little bit, uh, hokey and, uh, man, the dark order got off to a bad start. Like I liked them in a weird, uh, like B movie kind of way when they first showed up, like evil Uno and he'd wrestle with his, still wrestle with his shirt off and just looked like a bag of shit. And, um, you know, all the like video game references and stuff. I didn't really understand them, but I, I kind of thought, you know, and you know, the Canadian guys. So obviously I root for them being a Canadian myself, but, um, you know, so there was a degree of that. So, but then Brody Lee, I was always a big fan. I always thought he was kind of underutilized and I haven't been like super high on him. I still think he's kind of getting his footing. Like he's now that he's you know able to be a, a lot more creative and, and the reins have been taken off. I think it'll take him a little while to, I remember hearing a few interviews with him right when he first got to AEW. I think he was kind of, um, you know, kind of broken a bit. Like he was kind of, um, you know, uh, lacking confidence. So I think it's it's been a bit of a struggle for him to kind of get his, uh, get, uh, you know, back to where he's feeling, uh, you know, super creative, even though he's had that since he got to AEW. I think he's just kind of still finding his, uh, his legs um, but all the interviews I've heard, like the guy sounds like he's a super, super solid guy in real life. And, and, uh, he's a big dude and a talented dude. So, you know, let's see, he's kind of done like the, uh, the monotone kind of trying to be creepy talking like this to now he's getting a lot more fired up and doing like the big yelling promos and all that. I thought some of it was kind of funny. I don't, I still don't quite understand the dark order. Um, the coming out with the lawnmowers, I mean, it's still, it's strange they're kind of mixing weird humor with like still trying to be taken seriously. I still don't quite understand what 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 they're doing. The one guy's like uh, when they started like I don't know. I thought they were trying to do too like too much like inner circle kind of stuff where they're like applauding, like goofily applauding behind uh, Brody Lee when he was like saying things. And the one guy's like, "Oh, I'm a big fan of yours." And Blah, blah, blah. And then he just like, I did like how uh, Brody Lee then just punched him right in the mouth and knocked him out, one of his own guys out. That was that was quite entertaining. Uh, so that was cool. Um, I love the, yeah, like I said, back to the Cody angle, though. That was, that was super cool. Somebody mentioned, so I don't want to like take credit for this, but it kind of, uh, I guess, was reminiscent of one of the Rocky movies where, you know, uh, Rocky had just kind of burned the candle at, at both ends for too long and it was sort of believing his own hype and, and wasn't, uh, just wasn't prepared and just got rolled. And I want to say it was against, uh, was it Clubber Lang against Mr. T perhaps? Or was it the second, maybe it was the second Rocky where, um, where um, Apollo Creed, Apollo Crew? Oh man, I was about to say Apollo Crews. Is it the Carl Weathers character? Uh, came back and just rolled because he was focused on the rematch and uh, Rocky was kind of like sitting on his laurels and, and being like, a, maybe that wasn't the second one. The second one was the rematch with Carl Weathers where, where he finally won, I think. Ah, whatever. It's been so long since I won. I just remember uh, Rocky Four with with Dolph Lundgren. Rocky Three is Clubber Lang. I think it must have been the Clubber Lang. Anyways, you guys know what I'm where I'm going with this anyways. It's just he's uh kind of whatever maybe believed a little too much in his own hype burning candles at both ends you know trying to do the executive thing while being a wrestler and you know defending the title week after week after week after week after month you know and uh, i finally caught up with him and he got picked off and i thought that was a really cool angle i thought that was great i think it was well done i like the uh the whole visual of him getting dumped you know the stretcher at the top and then Brody lee dumping the belt on him and all that the broken up belt uh, i thought that was super cool um 
So yeah, that was really well done angle. Uh, looking forward to just quickly go over the, the pay-per-view because we're, we're clocking in at about a half hour here. So uh, yeah, the AEW pay-per-view tomorrow night. Uh, very much looking forward to uh, the MGF um, John Moxley match. I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be great. I want to see Moxley get forced to have to do the the wrestling as uh, MJF is kind of uh, mentioning that he's going to you know force him to do, calling him out on the fact that he's kind of a brawler and likes to go to the outside of the ring and all that. Really lo- looking forward to that. Uh, to a degree, looking forward to the Orange Cassidy Jericho thing. I just want to see how they finish it up. I know it's a bit of a gimmick match, and it's uh, you know, for me, it's like uh, 80 82 percent. I give the whole rivalry like a like a B plus, like a good solid B plus. But um, I don't know. It's certain elements of it weren't weren't my favorite. But again, like I was talking about with, uh, earlier, when I'd say why Jericho was number one in in my books for PWI 500, he's like. He's, uh, you know, I almost it almost pushed me into like that a ta- uh, territory when he did like the overview interview of kind of spelling it out for you almost like this is what we've done with Orange Cassidy and over these past fourteen weeks. So um, he sold me on it. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm just obviously a big fan of Jericho and and I am liking seeing the uh, the the un unraveling, I guess, or the uh, the different layers of uh, Orange Cassidy get revealed is is cool. So. Um, there's like the whole tag match. I like the Young Bucks. It's there's been the big slow burn, right? Almost too slow, but but you know I'm not going to complain uh, because I, I like uh, rivalries that that take a long time to to build. It's it reminds me of like when I first got into wrestling, where they'd take SummerSlam would build this to Survivor Series. You'd have these three or four month gaps in between pay per views. So I like long term storytelling. I do like it, so I'm not going to complain. But it's a uh, yeah. It definitely pushed the patience to a degree. It was the whole like elite uh, with the hangman on a page uh, teasing and the dissension being teased with uh, Kenny Omega and the whole thing. He finally got kicked out, he being Adam Page, out of the elite the, uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess. So, but that's going to be cool. So I think this is going to finally be the implosion of Kenny Omega and Adam Page, um, which will set up, I think, the November pay-per-view. I want to say it's full gear. I'm thinking that'll be... Uh, uh, Kenny Omega, Adam Page at that. That's kind of my pr- early prediction. I think FTR will win the belts, and then that will lead to uh, obviously Young Bucks facing FTR finally. After again, after like, no, I'm not saying finally in a bad way. Like, I think that's that's awesome that they didn't just jump right into it. I'm thinking that could be, end up being uh, the tag team title match at um, at Full Gear as well in November. Uh, what else we got on there? Yeah, Jurassic Express versus uh, Young Bucks will be cool. I still, I want to like, I do like Jurassic Express. I really, I'm really high on uh, Jungle Jack Perry, as uh, Jim Ross calls him, Jungle Boy. Uh, and I like I liked the combination. I like the team and the visual of, of him and Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus, um, I don't know. He's doing all these, like, this crazy stuff. I'd like to see him a little, I, I know it's, I get the idea. I know he's supposed to be. You know, it's it's crazy that a guy his size can, and it is. It's impressive. He can do backflips and stuff. But I, you call me old school, but I, I think it would be more effective if he just did the the cane. I guess right. Hard to knock down, choke slam, like you know, what I mean, the big boot and all that kind of stuff, just to kind of be a foil for uh, for Jack Perry. Um, just a personal preference, right? Like I love that kind of like like the X-Pac with, um, with Kane or RVD with Kane, the high flyer mixed with the big, the big monster. 
Um, and I, I just, I, I find that Luchasaurus just does it kind of for the sake of doing it. And he's just, I remember, I don't know, man. Some of that, like, it's not, it doesn't look crisp at all. Like some of his kicks when he's like, he takes like, a, you know, 30 seconds to do a 180 and then do like this floater kick. And I don't know, man. I just, he, yeah, I, he don't, and I, and I whatever. It's, it's better than I can do. I, so here I am, you know, critiquing it obviously. Right. But and I'm just saying, you know, from a fan's perspective, it just, you know, it doesn't really do it for me sometimes, right? Where he just randomly will do a backflip onto the guy, and it's just like, eh, I don't know. But in any event, so either way, that's going to be a good match because I think I like the Young Bucks, uh, you know, when they can kind of a little more focused and telling a story that way. So that's going to be kind of cool, seeing them a little more aggressive. Uh, I'm just trying to think what else is on this show. I'm just kind of going off the top of my head here. Um, those are the matches that come to mind. The women's title match is going to be a uh, super cool. I haven't heard too much about the um the uh the lady that's coming over from um Triple A. I am going to have to look it up unfortunately. Um and it's Sheeta is defending her belt against uh against wait a second. AEW all out uh match card. Just going to look it up. All right. Bleed for but so obviously we covered the Jericho thing, but uh, okay, there we go. Yeah, she'd oh yeah, Thunder Rosa. Jeez, sorry, that's actually such a memorable name too. Um, oh man, this thing's like not let me look at it. So Thunder Rosa, yeah, I've heard good stuff about her. I've never actually seen her in a match, so looking forward to that match. Uh, oh yeah, Britt Baker is back, but I get the impression they weren't, they didn't have high hopes for it. Uh, as far as just her not being able to uh, come back, you know, do too much after her you know, coming back from her injury because it is on the pre-show. So I don't see it uh, lasting overly long. I think it's going to be some kind of, uh, you know, gimmicky, whatever. Oh yeah. And of course, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara, which is great because that the uh, tables match was amazing, but it was like, seemed a little rushed. Like it seems kind of short. So I am glad that they're going to have a lot more time. And it's the broken rules match. And of course, if Hardy loses, he must leave AEW. So safe to say, he's not going to lose the match. I wouldn't think. And, you know, we talked about uh, Shida versus Thunder Rosa. Oh, yeah. And then this kind of like hodgy podgy. Uh, it's like the uh, Eddie Kingston. Oh, never mind. Sorry. The Eddie Kingston uh, team is in the uh, the Battle Royal. No, it's the Dark Order. So Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson. Uh, and they are versus uh, Matt Cordona, the formerly Zack Ryder, with Scorpio Sky and the Natural Nightmares, who, by the way, I've just like the Natural Nightmares. Come on. I've kind of had enough of those guys. I love Dustin Rhodes, but not a big QT Marshall fan. I don't know. QT Marshall, however you pronounce it. But in any event, I really hope, uh, you know, you guys enjoy the pay-per-view tomorrow night. I'm going to be watching it. Um, thanks for listening today. And we'll be coming back at you uh, quite quickly. I'll have Chris back in the studio here. And we'll be doing um, In Your House Mind Games, the pay-per-view from September 1996, as well as uh, WCW Fall Brawl, which I thought was had some really good NWO stuff in on it. And that had like the War Games matches and such. The w, Sorry, the WCW pay-per-view from 1996. So thanks for joining me today. And this is Matt Gardner for One Year in Wrestling. <laughs>